the explosive new film, Flynn, Deliver the Truth, Whatever the Cost, exposes secrets behind the government's takedown of General Michael Flynn. Flynn knew what the intel world had been up to. He ordered the first audit of the use of contractors. This set off alarm bells. He told the truth. He was the most dangerous person for Donald Trump to hire. They had to get rid of Flynn. Flynn, Deliver the Truth, Whatever the Cost. Available now. Watch it today. Go to SalemNow.com. SalemNow.com. The following program is sponsored by Mission America and may contain views and opinions that do not reflect the views of the advertisers, staff, and owners of this station. Some material may not be suitable for children. Listener discretion is advised. Oh, the media. To watch the ongoing media propaganda, it's like watching Pravda. Yeah, I used to be a liberal, too. We needed to speak up as a church about some of these issues that we're facing in the nation. Because heterosexuality is God's good intention and design. Parents are a little bit too complacent sometimes about, oh, how bad could it be? It's very bad. It's bigger than most people realize. And it's basically sexualizing children is what it is. Because you cannot be truly conservative and be advocating for so-called rights on the basis of what God says is a sin. Yep, I used to be a liberal too. This is Mission America with Linda Harvey. Because with God, all things, all things, all things are still, still possible. Good afternoon, friends, and welcome to Mission America Radio. I'm Linda Harvey, and I'm so very glad you've joined us this afternoon. Please visit our website at missionamerica.com. That's missionamerica.com for more information about our organization and also to read news, articles, and Christian commentary on the culture. And don't forget to read my articles, which are out on the web at worldnetdaily, wnd.com, barbwire.com, lifesitenews.com, and elsewhere. Also, of course, at missionamerica.com. And be sure to check out my latest book, which is written especially for teens and has just been published in its revised second edition, and it's called Maybe He's Not Gay, Another View on Homosexuality. And you can learn more right on our website at missionamerica.com. How radical is the homosexuality gender confusion movement getting? Where did it, how did it get this way? And why does it seem so much of the time that the efforts are focused on youth? Well, here to discuss this and more with me is my pro-family and great uh, conservative and Christian colleague, Dr. Robert Oscar Lopez. And so let me introduce Bobby to you for those of you who haven't heard him before. Uh, Robert Oscar Lopez was an associate professor of English at Cal State University, Northridge, before he was forced to leave. He now teaches at Southwestern Baptist Theological Seminary in Dallas, and there's a lot more to this story, so I'm going to let him take it from there. Welcome back to Mission America Radio, Bobby. Hi, thank you so much for having me on, Linda. Well, it's great to have you back. And so, for those of our listeners who have not heard you before, um, go from where I, I sort of wrapped up there and give people the, like the short version of your background. Well, I'm a Southern Baptist, and uh, because of the controversy in California, basically I got myself in hot water because my mother was gay. I was raised in the gay community, and I myself jumped into the gay lifestyle at the age of 13 
but then got out of it at the age of 28 when I met the woman that I fell in love with and whom I've been married to for the last almost 20 years. Um, because of the fact that I had a religious conversion and I tried to speak the truth and share the gospel and share a sensible view of sexuality, obviously there was a huge backlash against me. And the fact that I was a Southern Baptist in California who was being driven out of my tenured position impressed some people in the Southern Baptist world. And so I made the move here to Texas, and now I'm sort of doing my work within the Southern Baptist Convention. Well, and you know, it's great work you're doing. We are so honored to have you on our side now because you're such a vocal and articulate presence. So I wanted to start out um, just our discussion today because you're a great commentator, um, you know, as a cultural uh, observer about what's going on. And just tell me, you know, I was reading some of your your uh, blog posts and about your reactions to where the LGBT movement was and where you see it going and some of your perceptions about that. And I'm, I believe that you were also talking about children and the, the um, impact on kids. Give us some of your insights there. Well, the LGBT movement was, is, has always been top-down, and it was hatched ultimately among the elites of America. And so they had a lot of people who were experts in not only rhetoric and in publicity, but also in public policy and in military strategy and counterintelligence. And so mm. their movement has been masterfully yeah. uh, maneuvered. Uh, you know, we in the conservative side have just never been able to match their strategy and their brilliance and how they push their plans through. And I'm not saying that I agree with anything that they push, but I have to give them credit in that they have a really solid brain trust. And so one of the things that I've noticed that they've done is they've been able to make a huge amount of progress by controlling and choosing the opposition that ostensibly is against them. They, they have ways of dividing conservatives and picking which conservatives are going to be dignified with a platform to debate with them. And then they just make sure that those particular conservatives are busy focused on one thing that poses no particular threat to the LGBT lobby, while the LGBT activists go and push their agenda somewhere else. Now, let me just try to flesh what, out what this looks like. Marriage was one debate, which I think we focused on correctly, but maybe we over-focused on it because it was one public policy question and we put all of our resources in the fight against gay marriage. And you know that because yep. you and I were both, you know, behind our, our, the, our side's lines, right? right. <laughs> we were fighting against the marriage. I mean, all of the effort went to that. But, you know, ultimately Obergefell happened. It's done. It's over. I would love to see Obergefell overturned, but... Um, our side really is still, many of the most prominent people on our side are still arguing about marriage. They're right. still talking about the, the issues that are tied up with marriage, talking about what the, the purpose of marriage is, what the meaning of marriage is, etc. Meanwhile, the LGBT lobby could care less about marriage at this point. They are completely focused on trying to force this ideology on children. They're very heavily focused on youth. Their biggest initiatives right now would be to get into schools, so things like the Welcoming Schools Program, which is part of the Human Rights Campaign, right. that is getting tons of money and is forcing students to sit through 
pro-gay curriculum, forcing students to be exposed to titillating or arousing homosexual material that they're not emotionally ready for because they have not had puberty yet. And uh, they're, uh, they're forcing the parents to put up with this and cutting the parents out of the process. That's mm-hmm. number one. Number two, they're heavily focused on getting into the churches, and not just any part of the churches, but they really want to get the youth ministers and the vacation Bible school teachers and the nursery school teachers to be on their side. They have a whole conference called uh, uh, Devoted for Youth Pastors, yep. and it's, it's run in by Cincinnati. Love Boldly. It's going to be in going Cincinnati. To be teaching people how to get around pastoral leadership and to deliver pro-gay talking points directly to youth pastors, all right? Mm -hmm. And the third point is they're trying to ban any kind of therapy or counseling or even advice to young people to tell them to steer clear of homosexual activity and instead focus on developing a heterosexual orientation. So you take those three things all in uh, of a piece, and what you notice is that what they're really trying to do now is not to protect anybody from discrimination or bigotry. They're not trying to save anyone from being beaten up or killed by homophobes. or They're not even trying to save anybody from being denied the right to live together or to get employment. They're recruiting people and they're forcing people to be vulnerable to experimentation. And then once they experiment with homosexuality, they're locking them in the gay community. They have gone full-on totalitarian, and I feel that our side is not responding. Right. Our side is still debating about marriage, and it's driving me crazy, Linda. Yep. I, I <laughs> am the truth. I'm I mean, so just, we're so behind glad. the times. Yep. But there are a lot of great warriors like you that I just think should, I mean, I wish that you had more of a platform, honestly. Well, well thank you. Uh, you're so sweet, and I wish you did too, uh, and you are getting one. Um, you know, I'm so glad to hear you say this because you're one of the clear voices out there because for 20 years, my concern has been not the only one has been about the youth, because if you the marriage issue only really matters. I mean, it matters, of course, to a marriage, but it matters because of the standard you set and what you teach the next generation, because it opens a door to sexuality at younger and younger and younger ages. Um, you know, and, you know, do you I mean, do you see this, Bobby, that here's the issue and while they're getting into the sex, edu- the radical sex education, because when you take pregnancy off the table, there is no limit to the the younger age that you can be involved with on a same sex relationship, and yeah, that and it, I think that, that is that, an issue. Yes, and I think one of the things is that uh, pedophilia is one issue that often kind of confuses us when we talk about the LGBT movement and youth. Because sometimes it might not be that they want to actually have sex with children. Right, right. They just want to have control over children so that they have a captive constituency. I mean, it could be that they're just looking at this long term, and they're being very strategic, and they know that when you have not had puberty yet, you're very vulnerable, and you don't really know what you're being told about when you're being told about homosexuality because you you're not a sexual person yet and so you're very impressionable and you don't have the ability to respond back or to question and they've 
arranged the, all of these conversations so that the person who's pro-gay has all of the power and all of the power of coercion to keep a captive audience. And, right. and that's what's going on. But I think that what the gay activists are very good at doing is they immediately say that we're accusing them of pedophilia. Right, right, right. right. Which is you why, know, And yeah. so then you can't right. even really look objectively at what they're doing, which is really very focused on youth. When I say that they're obsessed with youth, I'm not saying that they all want to have sex with kids. I'm saying that they are obsessed with recruiting people who are in that age range because they're vulnerable. And in the process of doing that, they're trampling on the parents' natural-born rights to raise their own children. And I agree with you that marriage, the problem with focusing so much on marriage was, number one, it put us in the position of we're reaching out there trying to block benefits and block recognition for adults who are living together and who claim that they have this loving relationship. And that makes us look really bad. It makes us look like bigots. Not that we are bigots. I mean, we had real reasons for fighting against marriage. But in the absence of a real concerted you know, effort to full-on go against these efforts aimed at children, I think that it was a real misappropriation of our resources. I, I, believe, I, I totally agree with you. Um, uh, we're talking for... I want to say respond to what you said in just a second, but first, for those of you who are just uh, joining us, we're talking with Robert Oscar Lopez, who is a professor now teaching at Southwestern Baptist Theological Seminary in Dallas, and uh, working and writing and working on m- many, many uh, cultural commentary areas. So, Bobby, the the issue that I've had, and this is why I'm, I'm on the Southern Poverty Law Center's hate hate uh, list and and many many fine people are and one of the reasons is because of the issue of children but the problem is is you have to parse this very carefully yes there are some people who are who are adults who are homosexuals who are interested in young teens and pubes and prepubescent children yes that's a set, unknown number but the bigger issue that everybody needs to be concerned about is that these folks are very liberal about sexual content. They seem they are very permissive. When you put them in charge of doing teaching anything to children for whatever reason, it can be what you're saying the recruitment issue, it can be, you know, for down the road planning their strategy. Some of that's in there with the activists, but basically it's, you know, hey, whatever. Don't you don't you get that idea and that's the, that's the issue going on here. Is sexualizing. Yes, and I would say that they're period. permissive when it comes to themselves, but when yes. it comes to the children, they're totalitarian. They don't want the children to ask any questions that go against the grain. They don't want them to challenge or to reject the material. They literally, I mean, in a lot of these library reading hours and a lot of these curriculum uh, moments in schools, they're, they're, they love having these young children sitting there Forced, being graded very often on this material uh, and being face, they have to face discipline if they don't react in a right. supportive way. Yeah. I mean, they're really forcing it on them and right. they're controlling the reaction. Right, right. They, they're sexu- presenting sexual material and propaganda with only one viewpoint, which is um, one of the reasons yeah. I, I am very happy that I get to talk to public school high schoolers uh, three or four times a year and it in, in their usually stunned. They never, they've never heard some of the things that you yeah, I present before. So uh, before we, we are almost out of time for this segment, but um, you know, you mentioned it. So we got the drag queen story hours issue. Do you mm-hmm. think that's a serious thing? We've only got about, uh, only about 30 seconds. R- respond to, to that kind of outrage uh, out there that, that this in, in your face offensiveness. Well, it's terrible because I, as I said, it's top down. What they do is they get 
people who are friendly to their agenda, who are in power at things like the American Library Association Mm -hmm. or the um, National Educators Association or the Modern Language Association. And then they basically push those policies down the food chain all the way to the local libraries so that then, for instance, if there's a drag queen library reading hour, the parents in that community, they cannot go up against that machine. Right, right. So you're just stuck with your kids being captive, being taught this stuff. And it's just totally inappropriate for the age at which the kids are. It's confusing. It's scarring. Right, it is. And it's coming to public schools because the American Library Association and the NEA are are all, all behind this this fall. Unless you speak out, parents. We're talking to Bobby Lopez, Dr. Robert Oscar Oscar Lopez who's a great cultural commentator, teaches a a theology professor in Texas. This is Linda Harvey on Mission America Radio. We will be right back following these messages. Today's program is pre-recorded. To learn more, log on to missionamerica.com. Now, here's Linda. We're talking about where the... Uh, quote unquote LGBT movement is moving from here, and it does seem to be into tyranny and totalitarianism. Uh, it kind of was all along, but the those of us observing this are looking at this and saying, "Okay, how have we responded badly? How have we responded well? And what can we do in the future?" And we're talking today with uh, Bobby Lopez, Doctor Robert Oscar Lopez, who is a professor at Southwestern Baptist Theological Seminary in Dallas right now, and um, very uh, astute observer in the, uh, in, in the uh, pro-family movement now because, writer and commentator as well, because you were for so long on the other side. Now, now Bobby, um, we were talking about your three major points that you wanted to make, um, that where they're moving into the LGBT um, activists are moving into the second one you mentioned was the churches. So let's talk about that for a little bit. What do you see happening with the churches? I mean, it's hard to capsulize it in the time we have, but let's make a few points here. Well, it seems that a huge amounts of money have moved now towards the churches, and so they're uh, and it's hard to trace all the funds because a lot of this is dark money behind the scenes. But it's clear. Uh, that things like Matthew Vines' Reformation Project were just the tip of the iceberg. Uh, every major denomination from the Southern Baptists to the Catholics to the, even the Orthodox Church, uh, the Methodists, all of them, there are LGBT contingents within those religions who are pushing at the de- denominational leadership level to uh, put in changes. And usually they do it bit by bit. First they say, okay, well, we'll ordain clergy who are gay as long as they don't act on it. And then right. the prohibition against acting on it gets thrown away. And then it's that they can act on it, uh, but they're still going to uphold some other church teaching. And then that church teaching falls by the wayside. So we've seen this in denomination after denomination. And, in, and the conference going on in Cincinnati later this year by a group called Love Boldly is particularly disturbing because this one seems to be explicitly targeting youth pastors. And the reasoning behind it that they always provide is they say, well, I remember when I was a child and I was a teenager and I, and I was, I felt suicidal because I felt gay and I wasn't affirmed in my church. These are very often misty nostalgic memories that are probably not even all that accurate. That adults are projecting onto children who are living lives that are totally unrelated to them. So it's, it's a real kind of narcissistic projection 
on this. And it's really dangerous because we're living with the results of a massive sex abuse scandal in the Catholic Church and in other denominations as well. Why on earth would you be wanting to encourage youth pastors on a systematic level to be discussing sexually charged content with youth in churches? Right. And well, and the other issues, back to what I'm saying, and when it's same sex uh, related, there can be all kinds of experimentation that doesn't result in a pregnancy that messes with kids' minds, hearts, and spirits, and bodies, and health. And even not necessarily pedophilia, it can be youth on youth. I mean, it can be the 16 year old with the 14 year old, you know, and that's what they're they're aiming for. They're just messing with everything. And and it's just it's going to be chaos. It is totally going to be chaos. We still have a certain amount of sex segregation, but that means that same-sex sexual activity really has many more opportunities to exactly, flourish. Exactly, exactly. Yeah, and, and I think, um, so it's, it's very disturbing. I do see a streak of messianism in the LGBT lobby, like, for instance, at the Revoice conference, Nate Collins, the president of Revoice, gave a speech where he said, LGBTs are the prophets of today. I mean, there seems oh, to be dear. this desire... <laughs> to claim that God set them apart through their desires and that they're special and they have these special spiritual gifts and that they can look into a child's eyes and see their future. So they they think they can look into a seven-year-old's eyes and say, oh, this person's future is gay, uh, even if the seven-year-old doesn't think that and the parents don't think that, and the Bible says that that's not even true. Well, there's... You know, there's a real um, desire to gain the, the... moral power and the psychological and spiritual power that a church gives them. And it's very frightening because it is so focused on youth. Even Faith in America, for instance, they were a group that protested in front of the Southern Baptist Convention last year. All of their literature, all of their statements revolve around the fact that we need to have gay-affirming messages given to youth in churches, that somehow that's how to prevent them from killing themselves. And they neglect to mention the fact that if they jump into the gay lifestyle at the age of 15, then they have a much higher chance of killing themselves because the gay lifestyle is so miserable. Yeah, right. They don't mention that. They play the suicide um, card all the time, and that's how they're manipulating us. They're manipulating us. Not that they're they're masterful. You have to remember that. They're masterful strategies. Yes, not that there isn't some truth to that, but it is, on the, you know, the, the lifestyle itself brings on its own its own problems. I want to make sure people know that this conference we're talking about in Cincinnati is going to be in October at, at um, Crossroads Church, which is an evangelical church in the not too far from uh, the University of Cincinnati campus. So you have a the, you know, whole whole uh, millennial group that's going to be there. You know, I have had my daughter went there for a while when she li- went to school in Cincinnati. You know, it's just, uh, it's it's really, it's really, really frightening. I feel as though we should try to do something to stop that conference from yes, going forward. Yes, I think we, should. we have to we up should. our game. We should. I mean, we, 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 we can't just sit there and let conferences like that go completely unchallenged. It's, yep. it's outrageous that they would have a, a conference and say that they're planning on working around pastors to get youth pastors recruited to, to spread this destructive message in churches. Mm-hmm. I mean, it's almost like uh, this is exactly what the book of Revelation talks about in the letter to Thyatira, you know? Right, exactly. And, you know, the other you were mentioning about these pro, the, the um, Nate Collins talking about the prophet element. You know, there, there's a whole strain in paganism. My first book is um, uh, Not My Child, Contemporary Paganism and the New Spirituality. It's all about the, the paganism strain going through um, the Christian churches that's been happening for three decades. And 
one of those, many of those, go take you directly to alternate sexuality. And uh, the two-spirit uh, in the Native American community is a kind of an androgynous figure. You know, that's where they're going. They're going toward we're, we have special gifts. We're esoterically gifted, and we can see things that other people can't. Yeah, right. Um, that, that doesn't come from the spirit of the Holy Spirit. That does not. Well, we are almost right. out and, of time. Yeah, we were, quick yeah. comment, quick comment, Bobby, because we're almost out of time. Go ahead. Oh, yeah. No, I was just going to say that uh, we, we have been going through the American Academy of Religions uh, yes. records, and that's uh-huh. very interesting because these are all the religion departments at secular schools, and I think they play a much bigger role than we ha- have realized. Exactly. If you look at the conference panels and how much funding they have, I think their tax returns show that they're uh, getting in the millions of dollars every year, wow. and uh, these are the top religion schools in the country like Princeton and I know Yale, it. I know. Uh, we're out of, out of time. Give us a website where people can read your material. Uh, if you go to English Manus, dot blogspot.com and let me just spell out English man if it's English and then M A N I S that's M as in Michael A N as in November I F as in Foxtrot mm-hmm. okay. dot blogspot.com great thank you God bless you for what you're doing and uh, I hope people follow your work just remember folks just remember with God all things are still possible have a great day Three-star general, Michael J. Flynn, head of the Pentagon Intelligence Agency, knew all the government's dirty secrets. He was one of the most respected generals in the military. Flynn knew what the intel world had been up to. He understood its funding. He ordered the first audit of the use of contractors. This set off alarm bells. The explosive new documentary, Flynn, deliver the truth, whatever the cost, and covers the facts behind this scandal. Flynn told the truth. He was the most dangerous person for Donald Trump to hire. I find out the worst enemy that I'm going to face in my life is right here in America. They took my assessment and they wanted me to change it. I was like, I'm not changing it. They had to get rid of Flynn. With in-depth interviews, archival footage, and never-before-seen personal records to the man behind the headlines. I just felt like I was drowning. Flynn. Deliver the truth, whatever the cost. Available now. Watch it today. Go to salemnow.com. salemnow.com.